Well, welcome back to the In Control Family Foundation Driving Podcast. Our focus on these podcasts is around new drivers, teenage drivers, and you, the parents that have to deal with them. And today, we have Patrick Dempsey from Dempsey Insurance. Hello, Patrick. Hi, how are we doing? Good, and thank you for coming. And Jeremy, you're there as well? Yes, I am. Hello, everybody. Jeremy Randall, our Director of Operations. Patrick, the reason we wanted you here was uh, inevitably these kids need to be insured. And I'm sure you get a lot of phone calls from parents, uh, what they need to go through. So what do you tell these parents as they're getting into this situation? Yeah, usually the call starts with a little bit of nerves. Uh, you know, the the idea behind adding a young driver to the policy, everyone knows that there's a cost increase. How much of a cost increase? There's a great deal of variability, but it's it's a concern. You know, you don't want to be adding, uh, you know, a son or a daughter onto the policy and then suddenly saying, you know, geez, is this affordable? You know, or do we have to do something drastic to make this work out? And and what I like to do is talk with the customers to come up with a plan on how can we make this feasible? How can we uh, get the young driver on and and kind of keep everyone happy. Fortunately, now the insurance world has come along a great ways of of adding discounts such as things like good student or student away from home if the you know the son or daughter is in college and living away from the actual cars. Um, and then there's also with many many companies out there a great discount for taking advanced driver training courses such as in control, uh, which I always try to promote because. A little extra education behind the wheel can't hurt. And um, unfortunately, the stats show that the young drivers or the youthful operators uh, are going to be probably at fault in an accident. Um, and it's important to note that I say youthful operators and young drivers, but to the registry and the insurance mind's eye, anyone that just gets their license, whether they're 16 and a half or whether they're 55, are inexperienced operators and there's going to be a charge for it. We do occasionally see people come along that are, you know, 38 years old and just got their license for the first time for whatever reason. And uh, the, the costs are high for those individuals as well. Uh, but with certain things, discounts and, and tweaking coverages, you can make it, you know, affordable to have a young driver on a policy and, and not have it, you know, break the bank. Patrick, when do you, as a parent, get insurance for your new driver? Is it when they get their permit or after they have their license or when? Yeah, it's a question we get a lot. We, we get a lot of calls when the uh, student or child is going for the permit test, but actually when they're officially and formally added to the policy is when their license is issued. Uh, when they're a permitted driver on the policy, they're generally just considered a guest uh, operator of the vehicle. Uh, the insurance companies don't usually fret too much when uh, when they're permitted. Uh, that's usually kind of the highest safety standard because someone's got to be in the vehicle with them. And the idea of the permit process is that they're gaining experience and knowledge behind the wheel, um, you know, with a, a a family member uh, that has driving experience, uh, you know, sitting beside them. So it's it's generally a little bit of a lower risk time. Although accidents still can happen while a driver has a permit, and uh, those uh, you know are I would say rare, but they they certainly can happen. And if there is a crash while the driver's on their permit, is it the owner of the vehicle's responsibility or the person who's sitting in the passenger seat? How do they handle that? So generally, it's assigned to the operator. Uh, so if, if it, 
your permit number will stay the same as your license number. That number does not change. We get that question a lot. People will say, well, I only have their permit number now, so I don't really know what their license number will be. That number will stay the same uh, and in most cases stay the same eternally because now that they're not linked to your social, uh, they're, they're generally a little bit more protected than uh, than just a random you know number. But the youthful operator that's driving, it's in 99% of the cases, I've never actually had it where the permitted driver was the owner of the vehicle. The parents are generally the owner of the vehicle and you have responsibility whether or not you're driving if your vehicle is involved in an accident. Uh, and this goes the same once the, you know, the young driver gets their license and you say, okay, I'll just keep the car under my name. There's a liability exposure there. Uh, you know, if your son or daughter uh, is involved in a serious motor vehicle accident, you could be brought into uh, a suit because you're the owner of the vehicle. So it's something that's I don't think there's a, a lot of recognition on, uh, and in likelihood of being a severe accident is is not high, uh, but it's possible, and it could you know tie back to your financials, even though you might not have been in the vehicle with the, the the you know your son or daughter at the time, but because you own the vehicle, you have a responsibility. Uh, so, when to take that vehicle out of your name and put it into your son and daughter's name? There's not a perfect answer for it, and everyone's a little bit different, but there should at least be a recognition that you're carrying a slightly higher liability exposure. Uh, that's a good thing to know. And I think the recommendation I would have for parents, there's a lot of learning that goes into this. I know I've heard from the police officers at a variety of different presentations I've given that one thing parents should understand that if the operator of the vehicle does something you know, uh, inappropriate, it and at times be written to the parent, uh, you know, so not necessarily the crash be held against the parent the same way, but maybe, maybe it is if something was done illegally to, you know, get them there. And one of the other things I've heard is that if a parent is inebriated and they choose to use their young driver as their designated driver to get them home and they get stopped, that can also come back to haunt them because uh, again, they're operating on their license. So just things to think about uh, as we go into this. Today's goal was to have you stick around, Patrick, and we were going to talk about moving, steering, and stopping, and maybe bounce a few questions off you at the same time. And also, if you have any questions for us as we go through this, if you don't think we did a good job explaining something, please pipe in. Yeah, definitely, definitely, I'll stick around, and I'm sure I will have questions. You know, I've I, I've taken the in control program, and I, I generally consider myself a good driver. But there's always something to learn and 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 new things to figure out about how to drive a in a safer and better way. So, Jeremy, I understand for skill two here, we're going to be talking about moving, steering, and stopping. And it's best that parents get to a big open parking lot uh, with not a lot of people or cars around to do this, you know, those are getting harder and harder to find. What do you recommend to parents to kind of work on these skills? Well, we sort of left off. Uh, we had started and stopped the engine a couple times and we identified what all the controls do. And so if you're at the, you know, going straight from lesson one to lesson two at the same time, uh, we can move right into actually putting the car into drive and, and starting to actually move. But if you're doing it on a separate time, I just want to make sure you go over those controls with your young driver one more time. Uh, you got to remember that they they don't know anything, so it, it's good to just remind them exactly how the gas and the brake work. And the first thing I'd recommend is just starting off extremely slowly in that open lot, not a, a lot of cars around, ideally no cars around, but I know that can be hard to find. And just go at the idle speed of the vehicle to start. 
and just show them how smooth uh, light application of the brake pedal can get the car stopped so they can stop smoothly. If it's five or 10 miles an hour, they can hit it hard and see how aggressively and quickly it stops. Just make sure everything in the car is held down. Make sure you guys are all wearing your seatbelts, that sort of thing. And Dan, that's where I'd start. It's just getting used to them with the gas and the brake uh, and not even worrying about steering if you can get yourself lined up in an, in an open um, kind of long stretch. Just get them used to lightly accelerating and lightly stopping. And so they get more and more comfortable with that because that's that brake pedal is going to be your um, your fail safe. It's going to be your if, if everything if something goes wrong, if anything goes wrong, they can always hit that brake and get that car stopped. That's kind of where I would start. Nope, that makes sense to me. And I, I think, you know, along those lines, don't expect to do any crazy speeds. You, you This first time behind the wheel, if it's 10 to 15 miles an hour max, that's fine. Maybe the second time or if they're really doing okay with it, you can go up to 20 or 25 if if the parking lot's big enough to support that. You know, one of the struggles that I find in, in with my kids and in hearing from parents is there's not a lot of places people can go. A lot of companies have security and they may ask you to leave and you can go to some of the public parking lots, but you go to a high school now on the weekends and there's as many cars parked there as there are during the week. So it can be a struggle, but you know, this is something you might want to be thinking about if you're listening to this podcast well before your teen gets their permit, start to identify good safe places to go for those initial drives and do it on the weekend in company parking lots or maybe at a mall during the week if there's a time when there's just not as many cars there. And if, you know, if you're having a lot of trouble, you can always stop by your uh, police station, local police station, and ask them, where's a safe place to do this? Where do you recommend I do this? They might have some pretty good ideas. Nobody knows the town better than them. Patrick, you could chime in on this a little too? Yeah. Speaking from personal experience, I know that when I first got in the car, where I was, was in an MBTA commuter rail lot, and it was a Saturday or Sunday, and there's generally very few cars, uh, if any, uh, at that time. So a lot of people, you know, in and around the city will, will have, uh, you know, an MPTA lot that is probably accessible and, and generally sparingly parked with cars in the weekends. That's a great, great call. Great call. So Jeremy, uh, when, when it comes to turning, I know you have some thoughts that may differ a little bit from what we see in the parent guide. Uh, and if you can kind of go through how you would start the turning training, I think that would be helpful. Yeah. So as you progress and get your young driver, you know, going, I hate to say it, but faster and faster, you know, from uh, five to 10, up to 10 to 15, and then maybe you're at 2025. 20, um, once they're comfortable with that sort of skill set, lightly accelerating, lightly braking, being very smooth, we're going to add steering inputs. And in the guide here, it um, shows how to use shuffle steering um, as the main way of steering. We're going to vary a little bit from that here. And I'm going to say, if you keep your hands at that nine and three position, remember, make your steering wheel into a clock. Your hands are at nine and three directly across from each other. If you were to start with your hands there, you can make even a 90 degree turn, like you were turning from a main road onto a side street without taking your hands off the wheel. And that's going to still be your ideal position to use uh, steering with your new driver. So ideally have them start with their hands on the wheel and make these smooth transitions without removing their hands from the wheel and keeping them at their nine and three hand position. If you need to make a U-turn, a tighter turn, um, if you are practicing in future lessons parking, then it's appropriate to slide your hands on the wheel and, and use um depending on which state you're from, either a 
uh, a sliding motion or an actual hand over hand steering motion, depending on what your state is actually looking for for your your new driver. And you can check with your local driver's ed and actually talk to your local Department of Motor Vehicles as well and, and find out exactly what they're looking for in their test. And that's one thing, Dan, I think that it's time we point out too, is that every state is looking for slightly different things with their um, with their road test to get your license. And so you, you want to make sure you are meeting their criteria to get your license, but it might not be what you do moving forward after you have your license, if that makes sense. So we're going no, to- that's, that's a really good point, Jeremy. I think we, here in the Boston area, we have a lot of people come in from other states and other countries. And sometimes you'll have someone who lived in another state and has to retake the road test because they got their license, uh, you know, they hadn't used their license and never renewed it in because the, they lived in a city, or maybe they just didn't get their license in the first place. And, you know, to go and go through that road test, you'll hear, we, we get calls occasionally from people asking us if we can help them train for it. And, you know, that is not something we specifically do, but I really do recommend if you are older and you're trying to go through a road test, to work with a traditional driving school because they work with these road examiners all the time and can at least give you a couple hours prep to know what they're looking for you to do behind the wheel. Because there are a number of examples of things that you might do differently um, and probably arguably be a safer driver, but it's not necessarily what the law book says. In addition to, you know, from the turning uh, techniques, Jeremy, I know uh, the, the lesson guide talks a little bit about what they should be doing, combining the brake and the gas and, and things that you're going to be, you know, when you do that first day of driving, one of the things I did with my kids was to literally have them doing a figure eight in the parking lot. And so as you described, we started by going around the perimeter, but even the turns at the end of that were so foreign to them. So I kind of, at some point had them going into the middle of the space and doing figure eights. Are there other approaches that you would recommend to, you know, really start to grasp this? Try to make sure you keep the speed reasonable for the space you have and try to make sure you stay away from as, as many physical objects as you can, especially during this first real driving lesson. Um, now, along with that, if you keep reminding your young driver that they should be looking where they want to go and looking further ahead, it'll really help them naturally go where they want to. So you know, as humans, we all have this kind of ingrained in us where we will go wherever we are looking. And so it's really imperative that we look where we want to go. And I know that sounds repetitive, but it's such an important part of driving. You get a lot of young drivers who tend to be really close to the curb and then they're over the center line and they're kind of sort of bouncing down the road. And if they just pick their eyes up and look further down the road, it's significantly easier for them to center themselves and they'll instinctually go where they're looking. And so it makes those first couple turns really, really easy and takes a lot of the nerves away because it gives them a longer field of vision, which allows them to react sooner and smoother with everything they're doing as far as inputs in the car. And it can sort of relax people. It feels like even if you are going at a higher rate of speed than maybe they're used to going, which 25 is faster than they're used to going when they're driving. It allows them to have a lot more time to plan what they're going to do next. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, again, we've tried to emphasize it's really important for everybody to be as calm as they can possibly be. So these little tricks that you can take advantage of. The other thing I'll throw at you for teen drivers is 
you know, their exposure, and hopefully you took our advice and you've got them driving something well in advance of getting their license, but a lot of their exposure as to how vehicles are going to perform is through video games. And, you know, most video games have you, you know, throw your foot on that accelerator pedal and, you know, very rarely take it off. And that's one of the other recommendations we have is that, you know, braking can be abrupt and a lot of regular drivers, let alone new drivers, tend to accelerate to the next stop. And, you know, you want to have your new driver learn to coast and learn to take their foot off the accelerator and maybe not have to rely on the brake to slow down all the time or proactively. If they're looking down the road, as you're describing, Jeremy, they, they rather than just gun it to the next stop sign, see that there's a stop coming up and not waste energy trying to accelerate all the way to it and then have to slam on the brakes. So with that, have we covered everything we can on skill two, moving, steering, and stopping, Jeremy? Do you feel like we got it in there? Yeah, just the the last thing to do, you're, you're, uh, you're steering, you're stopping, you're accelerating, you're giving them some time to get their their feet wet with driving the car for the first time and just encourage them to lightly decrease their speed, right? Lightly hit that brake pedal before they start turning in. And as they're turning, they're coming out of that corner and going straight, they can lightly accelerate and just practice those skills over and over and over again and really get your your team comfortable. There's going to be some young drivers that are really uh, still uncomfortable after this, and there's going to be some that are raring to go for the next step as well. So just take your time, spend as much time as they want, you know, working on these early steps. And Patrick, I think you've got a decade or more before you have to worry about this with your own children, but you're not that far off from when you were going through it, um, learning for yourself and with your own family. Uh, Any other suggestions you'd give? Well, I I don't look forward to the day where I will have to uh, be teaching my own children. I I think I'll probably be a nervous wreck, so maybe I'll have time to mentally prepare myself between now and then. Uh, You know, it's the inexperience is really, I think, what what leads to it and the uncertainty. And like you said, you know, making sure that you're calm. Uh, it's it's something that the more experienced a driver has, the, when they've done something once, twice, three, four, five times, they're just going to get more comfortable with it. So, just you know, as much practice as they can, and in, in you know, nice, safe, controlled environments, and then hopefully, uh, you know, when the time comes to to execute, a, maybe a little bit more of a high tense maneuver they they feel comfortable with how they can handle a vehicle that's all we can ask patrick and jeremy i thank you very much for your time today thanks everybody we look forward to you hearing us in the future